Hello and welcome to the story. You are with Julie and this is a podcast where I narrate my books that are part of a fantasy trilogy. This is season three and the final story of a drama and suspense packed series. The book brings to life characters that are easy to identify and fall in love with. It is a story immersed in a plot that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Each episode is a chapter from my book and I encourage you to join our Facebook group, The Story, where we discuss the book and enable support for writers and lovers of great stories. You can also find me on Instagram, where you can DM me at Jules underscore rights, J-U-L-S underscore rights. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe where you listen to all your favourite podcasts and join us on a journey of storytelling. Hello and welcome to the podcast. How has your week been? Mine, as always, is extremely busy. So hopefully you've had a quieter week than I've had. Last week on the podcast, we spoke about the mystery of Baba Vanga, visions that she used to have. Now, I asked in the Facebook group, what do you think happened to her when she was caught up in that freak weather event in the tornado? And where do you think she got her power, the power of her visions from? Could it have been from an alien force? Or was she momentarily caught in some time zone? I guess we'll never know, but it is intriguing. So I hope you're enjoying our chats about mysteries from around the world. Today we're going to be looking into Graham Hancock's theory of advanced civilization that date back to the Ice Age. Now, according to Graham's theory, these civilizations had engineers, builders and artists around the time that humans were said to be hunters and gatherers. Now, Graham has been travelling the world looking for clues that will support his theory for over a quarter of a century. Now, I have an open mind about most things, but there are a few unanswered questions about what he is talking about. The Great Sphinx of Geyser has been argued that it is 12,000 years old, which would mean we were still supposed to be hunting and gathering at that time. The discovery of what is said to be the world's oldest temple in Turkey, Gobelki Tepe, my apologies if I've pronounced that wrong, has been dated to over 11,000 years old. Now, it seemed it was made and arranged by prehistoric people who had not even developed metal tools or pottery. Archaeologists found massive carved stones at the site, and I I will mention that the site was over 20 acres. Now, pillars or the standing stones were arranged in circles, and and the largest are said to be over 16 feet tall, and weigh over seven and a half tons. Think about that. Now there were carvings, they found carvings of foxes, lions, scorpions and vultures over some of the pillars. Now you have to ask yourself, how did they get to the site? How did they get these stones to the site? Who built them and why? Now archaeologists speculate it seems to have been a holy place and an enormous one at that. Now if we were supposed to be hunters and gatherers, How could we have built the site? 
Now, Graham has uncovered, uncovered other sites that he speculates supports his theory, and we'll be chatting more about these sites over the coming weeks. And now, if you want to watch um, Graham or listen to Graham uh, Hancock more, he does have a series on Netflix called The Ancient Apocalypse. So feel free to check that out. Now, if you want to share your opinion as well about his theories, join us on the Facebook group, The Story, or DM me on Instagram, Jules, J-U-L-S underscore rights, or flick me an email, the story podcast, all in one word, at outlook.com. Okay, let's do a recap on last week's episode, Leadership. Now, we heard how Anja is grappling with the responsibility of being a seer. Eleanor is given a newborn infant to care for, after his mother dies in childbirth. And Kriya confronts Merrick for not giving a valid reason for why she cannot, for why she cannot be head warrior. Just because she is female does not mean that she cannot not apply for the role. Eleanor supports Kriya's desire to be head warrior and after visiting her mother-in-law with Kriya, Anja advises her son Merrick to consider his sister for the position. Anja also reveals that the Asur are indeed on the hunt for children, confirming that Eleanor's dream was a premonition. So much great stuff ahead, everybody. So get comfy and enjoy. A large fire burned in the centre of the space, where the village people came together for ceremonies. They brought out tables and people made their way to where they could listen, to their leader and seer speak. Saban and Katja had returned in the late afternoon from a successful hunt. There would be fresh meat for all that had come. Eleanor seated herself at the table. Her mouth as she breathed in the aromas of the cooking meat. Merrick had been distant with her when he had returned earlier that afternoon and had barely spoken. She felt annoyed and knew what was to do with Kriya and her desire to be head warrior. Aye, it's my beautiful friend Nori, Sabin interrupted her thoughts. She smiled at him, giving him a quick embrace. Sabin, how wonderful to see you. But where is Edith? Eleanor peered past Sabin and could not see his wife. Sabin chuckled. Aye, there are two women who have just gone into labour and... Well, I think Serenity needed a helping hand. Eleanor smiled. She knew Edith made a great midwife, and Serenity was always happy to have her help. Who was looking after the children? Sabin chuckled again. Aye, Nori, you ask a lot of questions. Rita is bringing them. She wanted to stop off to see her mother. She'll be here soon. Oh, Sabin, you are cheeky. Eleanor gave him a brief kiss on the cheek causing her curly-haired friend to give his characteristic lopsided smile. Aye, and what was that for? For being such a wonderful friend and husband to Edith, Eleanor replied. Sabin shook his head, temporarily at a loss for words. Aye, Nori, yeah, good friend too, he mumbled. Eleanor laughed at Sabin's awkwardness, and it was not long before Sabin joined her. Merrick went through the normal formalities and prayers before he let his people eat their meal. Eleanor ate hungrily. Ate, Eleanor hungrily ate the food in front of her. It was rare they had fresh meat. 
Once they had cleared the dishes, Enja and Merritt came to stand at the front of the table, and the community was ready to give them their full attention. I hope you enjoyed the food that the gods have provided us, Merrick began. The crowd murmured and let out a few quiet cheers. We have a few things that need to be organised, starting with the naming of the head warrior. Merrick paused and cleared his throat. We have two nominees, and they are Torin, son of Takio, and Kriya, daughter of Eigenbrook. The people gasped when they heard Kriya's name. This was a first for a woman to be nominated to be head warrior. A few of the women cheered and called out Kriya's name. Eleanor watched the men and women, trying to gauge who would they who they would vote for. Merrick asked that the people who voted for Kriya to stand to the right of the table, and the ones who voted for Torrin to stand to the left. It was not long before two sides were drawn, leaving Anja and Merrick to vote. Merrick went to stand on Torrin's side, while Anja went to Kriya's. Another murmur went through the crowd, before Ulrich went and did a head count. Sabin also did a head count, and when asked, both men came to the same figure. It was a tie. An equal amount had voted for each of them. Anja smiled and went back to stand at the head of the table. We are making history, and I thank you all for your cooperation. We have now two head warriors, Torin and Kriya. A shout and a cheer ran through the throng of people. Once the mass of cheers and laughter had become subdued, Merrick announced the need for nominations for councillors and the surveillance parties that would go out. Anja also announced the name of the baby that Eleanor had been caring for, bringing another cheer from the crowd. When the silence again returned, Flamer stood and raised his hand. He bore an uncanny resemblance to his brother, large and muscular, with dark, stormy eyes. Tattoos snaked down his arms, and a permanent scowl seemed forever to be etched on his face. Anja nodded, giving him consent to ask his question. What do we do when the Asaur comes for us again? People gasped and whispered. They had momentarily forgotten their enemy, instead throwing themselves into the familiar routine of life. Anja knew her son would ask the question. Question, he was a troubled soul, and she wondered if he would ever settle. He was young and headstrong, even more so than his older brother Merrick. You ask a valid question, and I guess you are all wondering the same thing. Please, let me advise you, we will not be fleeing this time. So we just sit here and wait for them to burn us to the ground? A man shouted. More murmurings coursed through the mass, and Merrick raised his hand to silence them. We have lost so much, how can we ever be safe? A woman shrieked, ignoring Merrick's signal for quiet. The beginnings of panic rippled. Quiet! Merrick shouted. His irritation at his brother had grown setting off a spark of anger. Flamer had ignited the fear. A hush descended. Merrick could be a force to reckon with, and no one dared question his decisions or actions. Please, we must stay united. We cannot lose hope. 
future without the assault. They know this is our weakness when we question ourselves and our gods. Andrew ran her gaze over the throng of people. We have the forest that has protected and saved us, and we are safe here for the moment. There is much work to be done, and you have all done a marvellous job so far in rebuilding our community. We must remain strong and take care of each other. Please come and see me if you are feeling troubled. I may not know all the answers now, but I will in time. It was not the clear and definitive answer they were seeking, but it pacified them, and the people trusted Anja. She was their seer. Spring brought with it a renewed energy, and the community embraced it. A sense of purpose was restored, and for the first time since they had fled their home, a feeling of something more than hope for a future had manifested. Merrick busied himself with the running of a town. The people nominated and voted councillors. Merrick put together a large band of warriors with the formation of two groups, one to search the forest and find the size of it, the other to collect supplies from the fallen villages. Both missions were dangerous, however, were necessary for the survival of the community. The planting of crops intensified, including the first crops of grapes that was to make the red wine Merrick craved for. Merrick gave Crea and Torrent a group each to lead, and both immersed themselves in training them for the tasks ahead. Several women had come forward, seeking to be warriors, much to Crea's delight, setting a precedent for generations to come. Crea had only the minimal of conversations with her co-leader Torrin. He felt uncomfortable around him. Torrin was powerfully built like his father. His hair and beard matched the colour of the red earth and a tattoo of a serpent snaked down the length of his right arm. His eyes were the shade of a blue spring sky and his laugh was loud and carried over a great distance. He often smiled at her, but she avoided him by only coming together when Merrick called them for meetings. Merrick had noticed his sister's indifference to Torrin, which puzzled him. She'd never acted like this with anyone else in the past. He confronted her, but she brushed him off, and he was at a loss on how to change the situation. Her brother only made things worse with his continual snide remarks and snickers. Eleanor picked up on Merrick's growing frustrations as he once again came home from battle practice with an angry scowl. Merrick, what's going on? She gently placed Annie back in her crib. She'd given the baby she'd been caring for to the woman who had given birth only a few weeks before. Eleanor had missed him terribly for the first few days, but slowly she welcomed the extra time and energy that one less child had given her. Merrick shook his head and paced the kitchen. I knew it was a bad idea letting Crea be a leader. Eleanor frowned. Why do you say that, Merrick? Why can't she do that? At, what? What can't she do that a man can? Merrick stopped his pacing and looked out the window at the backdrop of the forest that hung like a curtain 
behind their small home. She doesn't want to get along with Torrin. I mean, she just doesn't work with him. Merrick let out a loud sigh and shook his head. It will not work. I'll have to talk to Anja and get a man to lead the group she takes. Eleanor felt annoyed. Merrick's chauvinistic. Why is it Chris's fault? Who Torrin is at fault too? I mean, is he approachable? Merrick let out a soft chuckle. Nori, women are not meant to lead. I've tried to talk to her. She won't listen. She can stay here with Flamer and be part of the Guardian and Recon party. Merrick, that is so unfair. Kriya has a right just like any man, and I've seen the other women, and I've seen that other women are taking up the sword. Eleanor bristled. That's another reason. We must stop this ridiculous nonsense. I'm going to see my mother. He did not wait for Eleanor to respond. Instead, he turned and walked out of the room. Anja listened to her son's quandary and waited until he had finished before she replied. Merrick, I am taken aback at how you've made this problem more than what it already is. As a leader, you must remain fair and impartial. You cannot take sides when both need to be united. I understand your brother does not help with the situation. That is something I have to find a solution for. I will talk to Kriya but she will not be stepping down as a leader. You must be the one to figure out how this will work. It disappointed Anja how her eldest child was handling the situation. She knew Merrick had his problems and difficulties, but this was completely unfair. She knew there was another reason Kriya found it hard to work with Torrin, and it was something she'd known about many years. Eleanor rolled onto her side. She felt the empty space beside her and groaned. Merrick had not come. She rolled back onto her back and looked up at the ceiling. Moonlight filtered in through the window, dappling the end of her bed. She cast a gaze towards it and marvelled at the bright beacon of light. It was the sun that graced the sky when the day had turned to night. Her, third, her thoughts turned back to her husband. He was restless, unhappy, and missed the red drink. She noticed he preferred the company of Emsi when he felt troubled. Once he would have gone to Sabin. However, those days seemed over. She knew Merrick still did not get along with Edith, and he did not want to burden his friend Sabin, who had taken the role of father to Edith's six remaining children never talks to me anymore. Eleanor tried to remember what, when Merrick had changed and stopped confiding in her. Her mind brought up the memories of Zuri, the woman he had become besotted with after the seer from Shakurta village had placed a curse upon him. She shuddered and felt sick as she forced herself to think of other things. Another more troubling thought pulled at her. She tried to push it away not wanting to give it life. It stubbornly refused to leave, and she swallowed as she acknowledged it. What if it had not just been the curse that had led Merrick to fall for another woman, but the partiality towards beautiful women has always been with him? She 
closed her eyes, willing herself to sleep, but the thought kept tumbling through her mind. Merrick had not been the man she had thought he was. She'd only learned in the last year that he was part of the Protectors, had family that lived in a hidden valley on the other side of Dorheel Pass, and had known that the Assault would eventually come for them. She sat up, knowing sleep would remain a distant and unwelcome friend. The more she thought about her past, the past and his actions, the more concerned she became. She loved him, she knew that. He was a good father, and mostly a good husband. He had led them to safety, and would not have hesitated in giving his life to defend his family and people. So why am I feeling that I don't really know him, and it doesn't feel right? Eleanor sat up, and leaned over to check on her sleeping twins. Eleanor envied them as they slept peacefully, and as she continued to gaze, her heart swelled with Merrick had ignored their existence when he had found out about her pregnancy, accusing her of being selfish, bringing life into a world that had, that had an uncertain future. She sighed and sat back against the pillows. A feeling of dejection settled upon her. It would be a long time before she would get back to sleep, and she decided to make herself a tea. Carefully, she hoisted herself off the bed and padded out to the kitchen. The house was silent as it slumbered under the night sky. She placed the kettle on the stovetop and contemplated about what the future would bring. Angie cut the cake that Ludwood had baked before placing a slice onto a plate and handing it to Kriya smiled in appreciation and waited for the older woman to take a seat. She loved her mother. She was a wise, she was wise, calm, and now the seer of the community. What did you need to talk to me about, mother? Anja lifted the kettle and poured the hot tea into the waiting mugs. She handed one mug to Kriya before answering. My dear daughter, it does not take a seer to know the reason you are here. You are making history, but it comes at a price, and you are already experiencing it. Kriya frowned, not sure of the full meaning of what her mother was saying. You are a leader, the first female to lead a group of warriors. A good leader needs courage, strength and kindness. You are a role model and exude all that I have just mentioned and I am proud of you. However, Anja paused, choosing her words carefully. You cannot face the one that will share a future with you. Kriya frowned, completely at a loss for what her mother was saying. Anja smiled at Kriya's puzzled look. You must put aside your personal feelings and step fully into the role of leader. You need to work with Torrin. Show your brother that you can lead. Did Merrick come and see you? Anja noticed a hint of anger in Rhea's voice. She felt betrayed by her own sibling. Merrick is letting ego impede you becoming a leader. He needs to curb his temper and his beliefs 
It interferes with his decisions. Leah did not reply. Instead, she remained quiet, reflecting on what her mother had just told her. Anja sighed and sat back in her chair. What do you mean Tyron will share a future with me? Is it more than a working relationship? Anja could not help but let out a soft chuckle. Her intuition was correct. His feelings had awakened. Kriya, your father had grown frustrated with you refusing each suitor he introduced you to, but the gods had different plans. Anja chortled and took a sip of the tea. Kriya shook her head as she thought about what her mother had just said. Are you... She did not finish her question. Instead, her mother answered it for her. Yes, he is your soulmate, your future husband. Kriya felt like someone had slapped her, as the realisation of why she found it so difficult to work with Torrin surfaced. She stood, suddenly feeling like she needed to run away and seek solace in the forest that lay behind her home. Go, Kriya. The trees will help you seek clarity. Kriya glanced dumbfounded at Anja before mumbling a quick goodbye. When Kriya had left, Anja turned her thoughts to her younger son. Flamer was the most difficult of all her children, and she wondered why the gods had given her such a rambunctious child. He would never make a leader. He was too headstrong and vindictive with a quick temper. She also knew he had a mean streak, one she struggled to come to terms with. Flamer would not make a good husband or father. However, she knew that in time, that would be exactly what he would become, a husband and father. She could not see the woman who he would marry, but she knew it would be a tumultuous relationship. She took another sip from her cup and contemplated on how she could control and give a position that would benefit him. A thought crawled crawled into her mind, and she placed her mug back on the table as she gave it. If I let him take a group of his own to look for survivors, that would calm his ego and give him a mission. But I'll need to meditate so I can see if there are any and in which direction to send him. Angel was not completely happy with the idea, but it was all she could come up with. Ludwig came into the room, startling her. So sorry, Mrs. I am... I just came to clean up and do some more baking. Ludwig bowed his head, reddening from embarrassment at making his mistress jump. Anja loved Ludwig. His kindness and openness were ingratiating, and she only wished that more people were like him. Ludwig, please never apologise. I was deep in thought and did not even pick up on your presence before it was here. She let out a soft laugh. Ludwig nodded and turned to to do the dishes that were piled on the timber countertop. The houses were crude, but given the minimal materials they had, he marvelled at the workmanship and what they had created. She watched Ludwig 
for a moment before getting up from the table. Anja needed to meditate. She paused in the doorway as an idea came to her. A way to show Ludwig her appreciation and gratitude, all she had done and all that he was. Ludwig, she waited for him to for him to turn around before continuing. He turned and blinked. This afternoon we will see Amsey. I have a surprise for you. Ludwig merely nodded, astonishment on his face. Merrick paced the yard, where the daily sword practice took place. He had summoned Torrin and Priya for a meeting before the other warriors were to arrive. He had slept in and was annoyed with himself. Things were not going the way he'd planned and he felt a sense of betrayal from Anja. He had hoped she would have been on his side and ordered Priya to step down as co-leader. But this had not been the case. Merrick, you look troubled. What's up? Merrick turned to see Torrin, frowning as he stared back at Merrick. Merrick shook his head. I'm fine, he muttered. Kriya came into view, her black wolf following, a grim determination set on her face. She'd rescued the wolf when he was a cub, finding him alone in the depths of a den. Kriya had called him Romulus, and he never left her side. Merrick felt himself stiffen. Things were going to be difficult if he didn't learn to accept what had been decided. Kriya both gave offered both men a tight smile and waited for Merrick to start the meeting. She did not dare look at Torrin. Her heart was already racing and she felt herself blush slightly when she felt Torrin run his eyes over her. I have a few things to discuss with you both. I feel we must hasten in preparing our recon parties. The Asaur has been silent, and as you know, they already know we are here. How long do you think before your warriors will be ready? Merrick looked at both Torrin and Kriya. He was to meet with Anja and Ada that evening to decide the timing and to strategize their next steps. Mine are good to go, Kriya announced. It surprised Merrick that Kriya had her team up to standard. Mine are almost there. Give us another week, Torrin said. Merrick thought for a moment before he looked directly at Kriya. You've done a good job, Kriya. However, as a leader, you must be able to prove you can handle many situations and the people you lead will follow you into those situation. In situations. You will take Torrin's group and head east to look for supplies, survivors, anything of interest. Merrick did not wait for Kriya's reaction. Instead, he continued. Torrin, take Kriya's group and follow the forest. We must see how far back it goes. Both of you will return in two weeks' time. Kriya set her jaw. Her shock turned to fury as what Merrick had just ordered, ordered settled, upon, settled upon her. Merrick, what are you doing? Torrin just said his group is not quite ready. It was all that she could do to stop herself from shouting. It is a lesson for you both. First, you must learn to lead and control the group that you are in charge of. And when you arrive back, both will be assigned a task that you will do together. 
Merrick clenched his jaw. His dark eyes narrowed, held his sister's gaze. Kriya hawked and spat before turning and leaving. Eleanor served the casserole onto the waiting plates. Merrick had barely spoken upon his return earlier that evening. She had attempted a conversation which only earned her grunts and nods, felt her irritation grow at his distant behaviour. Something must have happened with Kriya, the thought coursed through her mind. How is Kriya? Eleanor asked as she sat down at the table. Good. She's taken Torrin's team out tomorrow as a recon for survivors and supplies. Merrick placed a large spoonful of food in his mouth and looked at his wife. Eleanor sat in disbelief. She knew Kriya had prided herself on her team. A lot of them were women. He held Merrick's gaze for a moment before looking away. Sometimes she felt she didn't know her husband, but she knew he possessed a strength, a force that the gods had given him, and it was something he needed if he was to overcome the devil. Eleanor ate in silence. She was not sure what to say, knowing it would only spark an argument, and she did not have the energy to pursue one. You don't agree with me, Eleanor. Merrick shoved another spoon of food into his mouth. Eleanor put down her spoon. She knew he was badgering her, and she struggled to contain the anger that welled inside her. To be honest, Merrick, no, I do not agree with you. Kriya is a good leader and warrior. She trained her group. And it is unfair, Merrick. You know it is. She should lead them, not Torrin. Merrick smirked and pushed his chair away from the table. I'll meet you at Angers. He stood, placing his plate on the countertop before leaving the room. Ludwig had spent most of the afternoon baking after he had learned that Anja had organised a foal from Amsey's prize horses to be given to him. The smell of breads, the smell of bread, cakes and meat dishes filled the medium-sized home. Anja welcomed her guests as they marvelled at Ludwig's cooking skills, especially since they lacked a surplus of ingredients. Ludwig beamed at his guests and immediately set about serving the food. What do we owe this banquet of food, Ludwig? Merrick asked as he filed in from the front door. I'm getting a horse from Amsey. Ludwig could not wipe the grin from his face. He had a partiality toward well-bred horses. Merrick chortled and affectionately patted him on the back. Sabin and Edith entered the main room moments later. Merrick and Sabin embraced and shook hands. Aye, Merrick, it's good to see ye, Sabin chuckled. Where is Eleanor? Edith interrupted. Sabin frowned and looked around the room. She's on her way, Merrick replied. Edith gave Sabin's friend a contemptuous look, but said nothing further. It was not long before Ulrich and Kaya, Ada, Catcher, Serenity, Kriya, Torrin, and Takeo came to join them, all filing in and filling up the main room of the house. Angie's house was the largest next to Merrick's. Meetings, conferences, and the receival of guests would take place in their homes, 
and it was imperative they were large enough to accommodate. They had settled themselves on cushions when Eleanor came through the front door, her twins in her back area. Edith and Kaya immediately got up to help her. Merrick remained seated, and Anja threw him a disdainful look. She was becoming unhappy with her son, and was wondering what was wrong with him. Eleanor seated herself next to Merrick, and placed the babies on a fur in between them. The door opened again, and Flamer entered, mumbling an apology for being late. Anger waited for him to settle himself on the cushion that they had left for him. The room swelled with people, and Anger smiled and welcomed them all. I have spoken to the gods today and want to share with you all that they have advised. We will not be running any more. Instead, we are to hide. Where are we to hide? Flamer asked. Anger again smiled. We are to hide in the forest. The trees will help us. And please, no more questions until I've finished. She looked at Flamer, who scowled but nodded. What I'm going to say next will frighten you. And please, I understand, but we have to survive. Eleanor cast a look at Merrick, but he only shook his head. Come for our children, as we have discussed before. Need to hide them. Merrick, I need you to put together a team to look for the ancient tree. As you know, there is one to replace the one that was burned by the Asaur. The ancient tree will provide us with clues on how to find Dardanos and her king. Remember, we must find their weakness and this will be the only chance to rid them forever. If we are unsuccessful, we will perish. Now please, ask your questions. Sabin raised his hand and Anja nodded for him to speak. I, Anja, just wondering, how come they don't just burn the forest and flush us out? I mean, what's the point in hiding? Anja smiled at Sabin. She knew one of them would ask that very question. Sabin, that is a good question. They want to torture us, hurt us, and taking our children will do that. It is a game. They don't want it to end suddenly. If they slaughter us in one foul swoop, they won't enjoy it as much. They are the devil, remember that. Her words sent a shiver down Eleanor's spine as she gazed down at her sleeping infants. We need to end this war, Merrick growled. Murmur of agreement chorused through the room. Merrick, what is the update with and Torrin? Anja asked in a serious tone. Merrick cleared his throat. <clears> throat> Greer is to take a team and look for survivors and supplies. Torrin is to find out how far back the forest goes. Both are to report back in two weeks. Anja narrowed her gaze. However, Merrick offered no further information. Eleanor listened and watched the interaction between mother and son. She nudged her husband and he threw her a scathing look. Kriya is to take Torrin's group, and he is to take Kriya's, Eleanor blurted. Merrick burst under his breath as he turned his attention back to his mother. Please, can you elaborate, Merrick? 
Anja felt her own patience waning with her son. My wife is correct. I've swapped teams to teach them to lead different people. When they return, they are to go out together and learn to work as co-leaders. Why didn't you tell me this before, Merrick? Merrick shook his head and mumbled an apology. Anja drew in a deep breath to calm her anger. Blamer, I need you to pick some men to do a recon, to find out if the enemy is close, and to report back in a week. Merrick, I want you to leave in the morning to find the ancient tree. Ada and Ulrich will go with you. Flamer let out a cheer. His mother was right. He needed something to calm his restless spirit. Merrick clenched his jaw. He did not like being told what to do when he had not been consulted. He felt his, felt his mother was partially punishing him for how he had treated his sister. We are to meet in two weeks when we have all returned. I also will have answers about we are, where we are to hide our children. The group broke apart to indulge in Ludwig's offering of food. Although they had eaten earlier, it was hard to resist what Ludwig had baked, and it helped take their minds of the tumultuous time that lay ahead. Tomorrow would be a new day, and there was a lot to be done. So thank you for listening. I appreciate your time and truly am grateful. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe where you listen to all your favourite podcasts. Take care, everyone, and see you next week on The Story, the podcast where great stories are told. Bye for now.